this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast, where you get to find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex, and this week you're going to hear quite a lot of stuff, actually. We have a spooktacular podcast for you, because Halloween is nearly upon us. We'll be talking to Beck Hill about her brand new creepy, slime-tastic book, Horror Heights. We'll be chatting to Emma Carroll about her legendary, kind of weird book set in the 1960s and we'll have a reading from a less spooky but equally just as good book Dermot O'Leary's brand new Toto the Ninja Cat book but first let's go back to Beck Hill's brand new series it's called Horror Heights and it is a big kind of Goosebumps-esque series set in a world of horror and fear and spooky stories and the first book The Slime is out right now. All right, I am joined right now by comedian and author Beck Hill. Hey, Beck, how are you going? Hey, Bex, the plural of me. <laughs> I've never interviewed somebody also called Beck or Bex or Rebecca, and I kind of love it, to be honest, although it may be confusing for the listeners. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the one with the Australian accent. <laughs> That's that's the. I think that'll be a good way of differentiating between the two of us. Um, and of course, I'm not the one who's written a book. You've actually written a book and congratulations on it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. It's such a fun book. I um, I am not great with horror, as in like I do get scared very easily. Um, I read your book and I loved it, but I also was a bit scared, which I guess is what you want. Uh, it's called Horror Heights: The Slime. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So uh, Horror Horror Heights is a uh, series. The Slime is the first book, and it's about uh, an 11 year old girl called Connie who is the queen of slime at school and uh, then she she runs out of slime one day and has to make her own and uh, adds a couple of her own ingredients which has uh, quite significant consequences. Yeah I don't want to ruin it too much but um, the slime isn't what she expected would we say? Yeah yep let's I think that's a good one to go with yeah. Yeah, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to say things without without spoilers here. But um, I will say uh, the tension you managed to ramp up in the book is quite something. Uh, was it something you were like very conscious of making sure because it's a bit of a spooky series? You wanted to make sure it does freak people out. Yeah, I would say there's some planning involved. I'm I'm from a TV writing background, so I've written on um, various CBB shows and CBBC shows and Disney and Cartoon Network and stuff. And so I'm used to writing sort of short form scripts and stuff like that and with those when you're writing a script you write a thing called a beat sheet which is where you're sort of doing the story in dot points in okay. bullet points yeah so if it was little red riding hood you'd be like uh little red riding hood needs to take something to a granny her granny lives on the other side of the forest she walks through the forest meets wolf wolf you know you sort of just <laughs> dot point it and then once you've got those beats, then you can sort of flesh it out, make it much bigger and, and make it a really succinct story. And that way you can see that you're hitting those beats, that you're you're doing what you need to do in order to do things like build tension or introduce new plot points or characters or things like that. And it's very important that each beat sort of have some sort of conflict as well, something that's happening in there. What you don't want is just, you know, uh, they walk, but then nothing happens except walking. You know, you want Little Red Riding Hood walks to her grandpa, uh, grandpa's. Maybe her grandpa was there, I don't know. Uh, she walks to her grandmother's and, you know, she meets the wolf. Whereas if it was just she walks to her grandmother's, that's a bit boring, isn't it? 
Oh, you know what that's, I mean, first of all, very interesting because I've never heard that kind of idea before. Secondly, if our listeners are listening right now thinking, how do I spice up my English homework? That is very helpful, Beck Hill. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I wish I'd known about it when I was in school, actually. Yeah, that's really useful. And it's worked out so well in this book because um, it's a really pacey book. Like, you know, it's a real page turner. Um, and I, I think that comes also because of the the kind of genre. Was was horror and like spooky stories, was that one of your favourites when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up watching horror films, uh, reading horror books. I mean, obviously, Goosebumps was a yeah. huge influence. There was also a bunch of books by an Aussie author called Paul Jennings, which all started with the uh, prefix un. So there was unbelievable and unreal and oh, right. undone and uncanny, and they're fantastic. And, and any parents listening might re- remember uh, Round the Twist made it over yes, here. Yes, of course. All of that show was based on Paul Jennings' stories. So, um, yeah, they were all adapted for TV. So I, I grew up with all weird, spooky stuff, and and um, I really enjoy writing about it. I love hearing people's spooky stories as well. I love every time I'm traveling, I like to ask people, you know, what's what's happened around here? What's spooky? Surprise me. Um, now, Horror Heights, because it's a series, are we going to see Connie again and her friends, or do we travel around the school, or is it stuff that just keeps happening to poor old Connie? What's the, what's the deal with the whole series? Oh, all right. Well, so you will see Connie, uh, but that is because everything that happened in, and this place isn't called Horror Heights in real life. It's I've called it Horror Heights, you know, to protect everyone's identities. Mm. But um, everything that happens in Horror Heights happened on the same weekend to kids in the same class. <gasps> so we've had Connie's story, but we're going to be getting the stories from other kids in her class about spooky things that happened to them. Uh, and there will be some crossover as well, which is interesting because, you know, we see a scene with a character called Mike or a person called Mike uh, in in this book, which um, which is a bit sort of short and um in the future, we, we might get to see that scene again from a different perspective. <gasps> Beck, that's blown my mind. That's so good. Because as you just said there, that you would see it from different uh, kids in the classroom. And I just thought, oh my goodness. Yeah, Mike, with the with, with the basketball. Um, in the, yeah, was it basketball? He's playing a sports? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, of course, there might be a reason why he acted like he did. That must that must take some. App- Sorry, this is like, genuinely this, is, this has thrilled me. That must take some real planning to be like, okay, that character's doing this thing. How do they cross over here? What happens here? And of course, it explains now why the book is is split up into into the weekend, into the into the days of the week. Um, that's really exciting. How did you come about that idea? Uh, well, because I've I've based a lot of the stuff on some uh, stories and things that I came across in real life, so that was sort of that part. And then it was more because I'm obviously fictionalizing it. I've been uh, I've got like a massive cork board, you know, like a pin board, and um, and I listed all the places and the days, and then each each kid has a different colored piece of wool <gasps> and i've i've had to sort of pin them out for uh, for all of their stories to see to make sure i don't forget and i i imagine as well that will mean um when all of our listeners see horror heights in the in the bookshops or in libraries you could pretty much pick up any book you don't have to read it from the very beginning you could pick up any book and it would make sense immediately and then it would like exactly. read another one have like an easter egg you could cross over 
Absolutely. That's exactly it. So you can read it in any order that you like. Um, you know, if you could read just one if you want, but if you read all of them, you'll get sort of a bigger picture of what's happening. And we're sort of trying to work out why everything is happening on this weekend to all these people. So uh, one thing that I'd really like to encourage readers to do is to try and find any connections between the stories and anything that might be sort of causing all of this to happen at the same time to these kids. Oh, and how long do we have to wait for the next book to come out? The next book will be coming out probably around Easter 2022, so next year. Yeah, so not long. Um, it's a very exciting one. And uh, what I can say is that it, uh, it involves a, a kid who desperately wants to be a streamer. Oh, amazing. Oh, it's so good. Honestly, I really enjoyed the book and it did. It, it was a real page turner. And as somebody who I said is easily scared, um, it was just a perfect pitch for me. It was just well, so like scary, but not too scary that I didn't want to carry on. Like it was perfect. Um, oh, I'm glad. There's a lot of uh, grossness and, and uh, silliness in there as well, because um, I think that life does have a lot of grossness and silliness. <laughs> Yeah, you got to go with it. Uh, now, before uh, before I let you go, every author who comes to Fun Kids, I do a little quick fire round of questions with them, a kind of this or that game. So uh, first up is super easy, books or Kindles? Books. Yeah, everyone says it. Heroes or villains? Heroes. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Ooh, um, oh, it depends on the books. Um Oh, can I say both? Because there is good versions of both. I mean, I have. To, I guess I say TV because that was round. I've already mentioned round the twist, so let's go with that. Okay, good. Yeah, good reasoning. I like it. Um, yeah. Would you rather be slimy or dusty? Oh, ah, uh, slimy. <laughs> that, by the way, I should say I don't ask everybody that question. That is specifically for you. <laughs> that was that'd be an amazing coincidence. <laughs> what a weird question to ask people. Um, <laughs> do you prefer writing or reading? Writing. Hogwarts or Narnia? Narnia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love I love me a, a wardrobe. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely sitting in a cupboard right now for this interview because it's good for sound recording. Just hoping that Aslan will pop out any minute, just like yeah, yeah. The Mr. Um, Tumless is bringing me some Turkish delight. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, laptop or write by hand? Oh, um, both. I write by hand every morning. So I do three pages of uh, A4 pages every morning when I wake up. And sometimes it is, un you cannot read it and it doesn't make any sense or it's just me whining about how tired I am. And other times, I mean, a lot of the Horror Heights stuff has come about from me doing that on the page first. And then, you know, once I'm collecting it all, then I'll type it up. And I do like typing. Oh, I love that. That's a, a great answer to that question. Um, a Little Shop of Horror or The Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, uh, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, it's close though. I could feel it in your voice. It's very close. Yeah, I think Nightmare Before Christmas wins because of the animation, but I don't know. I love puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Such a tricky one. Uh, do you prefer comedy or horror? Oh, don't make mm, me choose. I know, right? Um, oh, comedy to do, horror to watch. Oh, lovely answer. Very, very clean. <laughs> lovely. I like that a lot. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Paddington. Yeah, I'd, I'd be with yeah. you on that. And finally, the big one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, um, uh, can I break the rules and say plain? I'm a ready salted guy. Oh, the hidden third option, is it? All oh, right, I see. Uh, 
Well, do you know what? Everyone, people have a go at ready salted, and I think no one ever complains about ready. Like, if you get ready salted, no one's not eating it. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's, actually, you know what? No one's ever said that. I mean, I've had some people say prawn cocktail, which is, I, I'd say, the opposite to your argument just there. Um, but yeah, you're probably yeah. I can go with that. I'll g- I'll give you those plain crisps back. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, next I, time I, I see you. That. I'll, I'll get a packet of plain crisps for you. Um, well, Beck Hill, thank you so much for chatting to us. Uh, we should say Horror Heights, uh, the first book in the series, The Slime, is out now and everybody needs to go and get it. I'm assuming it's in all good and bad bookshops and in like Amazon and in your independence. So they're in shops right now. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Beck, for talking to us. I'm James Stewart. And in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you so much to Beck for her brand new book. It is brilliant. Definitely go and check it out. Uh, the next person we're going to speak to today is Emma Carroll. Now, you may know her. She is a phenomenally successful writer and she has a brand new book out called The Week at World's End. Let's find out a little bit more about it. Well, hey, Emma, how are you doing? Hello there, Bex. Nice to see you. Not see you, hear you. You have got uh, quite a fantastic and really fascinating book. We're going to talk about it in a second. The Week at World's End. How does it feel to have a book out um, at this time of the world as, as things are just starting to open back up again? It's really, really exciting. I mean, this book was supposed to be coming out last year um, and we he- we held off for obvious reasons. So it's really lovely to be going back out in the world again. Um, just this last couple of weekends, I've been doing book signings in bookshops again and meeting people, you know, real live people, real live readers. And that has been such a joy. What you've produced is a brilliant new book called The Week at World's End. Um, and first of all, I think it's fascinating because uh, as, as you may well know you are often called the queen of historical fiction which is a title i adore by the way um i like the idea that you walk around your house with like a crown just pretending yeah. you are like the queen of well i do oh good good okay <laughs> oh good you do at least you're living up to it that's helpful good but you you know writing a book um historical fiction is fascinating but we think of it as like you know kings and queens uh victorians castles but you've set uh set your book in the 60s in 1962 which if parents are listening yes i'm afraid it is historical fiction <laughs> It's it's really funny because I think um, you know when historical when what is historical suddenly appear you know becomes part of your childhood if you like or your your memory of the work it's like gosh am I am I now history I must be um, the thing that was really lovely about writing this book was that um, a lot of the inspiration for it came from my parents who were teenagers in the sixties. So having access to their sort of memories, even for really obvious little kind of day to day things like okay, so what did you earn when you did your paper round? This was a question for my dad. And so what was what was your school uniform and what did you study in lessons and what did you do at break times and things? It was they were they were there and able to tell me and they could remember it all. So that was really helpful in terms of, you know, being able to just sort of build up that everyday world from from what they told me. Uh, and it's a really fascinating period in history. I mean, you know, I always find this when I start writing. <laughs> so I choose a year and I'm like, oh, okay, so let's see what was going on at that time. And you suddenly realise that actually lots was going on. And so this was the year when the Beatles were first um, had their first record come out. 
It was the year that Marilyn Monroe died, the American actress. Most importantly of all, uh, your listeners might want to know, it's the year that Cheese and Onion Crisps came out for the first time. Wow, that's a good fat Emma. This is, you're on brand. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> it's the world sort of as we know it. There's quite a bit of the world that's sort of familiar, you know, people doing paper rounds, people going to school, people, you know, arguing with their brothers and sisters, da 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 da. But a lot of it that's sort of not familiar as well, that feels quite dated and quite old, like the fact that not everybody had a TV, not everybody had a telephone, not everybody had a car. Um, so there's still that element of sort of, you know, the world's still still not quite the modern world that we know of, you know. Oh, that's cool because there is so much to it. And, you know, obviously in the book as well, you get to mention pop culture references and like, you know, people who were famous at the time. Um, it must have been quite fun to be able to to mention people who maybe our listeners will have heard of but not know much about. Yeah, I think it gives you, I think that's the thing about um, any story really, but yeah, particularly with historical fiction that you can, you know, mention names that were kind of household names at the time that people nowadays maybe were sort of like, yeah, I sort of recognise that or I sort of recognise that song because songs are quite important in this story. There's quite a lot of music references and you know, some of those songs people will know. They'll hear as soon as they hear them, they'll know, but they might not know who the artist was or what the artist looked like or something. So yeah, so sometimes I think I mean I do that when I'm reading books all the time. If I find that something that I, I, I sort of know about, but I'm not quite sure about, I'll get my phone out straight away and have a little look on Google and think, oh, what, what, who's this then? What what is that did that really happen? And who and so it just I don't know, it's something about reading, isn't there, that makes you sort of discover other things it takes you off in lots of little directions it does mean though that i take ages to read books like your books or any books in particular because i'll like, oh, just google that or just double check that yeah. I'll just find out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> so in the book you have got stevie and ray we should talk about your your main characters there and they have an interesting discovery uh, can you tell us a bit about them yes yeah, so stevie is my main character and she, uh, what can I say about Stevie? Well, she, the house that Stevie lives in is very much based on my grandparents' house. So again, that was, I'm using quite a lot of my own kind of personal family sort of history. Um, so Stevie lives with her mum and her older sister, Bev. Um, older sister, Bev, goes to the grammar school and is very bright and very clever and quite politically aware. Uh, Stevie is... Uh, a bit more of a kind of quiet, very quiet girl who struggles with reading. She's not particularly academic at all, but she's a she's a sharp cookie and she notices things and she thinks a lot. So I like Stevie because she's she's sort of not your obvious hero, if you like. You know, she's not particularly popular at school or anything. She, she struggles to kind of get a lot, along with people because she's very shy. Uh, so uh, Ray is her best mate. Ray lives across the road. Ray has interesting parents. They appear in um, some of my previous books. So if you've read Letters from the Lighthouse or When We're Warriors, you will know who uh, who Ray's parents are. Basically, I wanted my characters to, to somehow be thinking about previous wars at the same time as they're kind of contemplating this this terrifying situation, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is what the you know the book is set during the week when that happened. So I wanted them at some point to be re- sort of reflecting on the fact that there had been previous wars, and you know their parents had lived through those, and they still kind of they carried their scars, if you like, from those previous sort of conflicts. So um, so Ray's Ray's parents have certainly you know as if you've read those other books, you'll know they have had sort of experience, first-hand experience of, of war and, and the, the trauma that comes with that. So I wanted to make that link. And he is, he's a mixed-race boy. His, his dad is an African-American 
GI and his mum is English. And I think, you know, he is quite, he was quite an interesting character to write as well because he is, he, he does face some everyday racism as, as, you know, people, people in those days did and people still do. And it's the sort of, you know, the sort of racism that kind of, you know, he, he's not even aware that's necessarily what it is. And I think, you know, by the end of the book, hopefully we, re- you know, he realises that, yes, he does have a voice and he does have a right to be heard and he, and he should be taking up as much space as anybody else in the world. Um, and he he's a really lovely character. I really liked writing him because he's the sort of boy that I um, I love writing, that sort of very gentle, um, very clever, very good with people good with talk you know good at talking to people clear on his heritage he's very very proud of being half american and you know that he's got sort of you know a very strong sense of his culture and this yeah and and he's just yeah i really i'm smiling when i'm talking about it because i I really like it and it's a fascinating time because like you say there is there is so much going on in the world and i think i think if you look if if you're now you know bringing like if you're a kid now you think oh the 60s or whatever like yeah the beatles i guess maybe but you you don't know much about the history and the cuban missile crisis is massive (laughs) it is a really really interesting era uh, without a doubt, and there's there's lots there to unpick. But the point of the story is as well is that actually, while all this big global stuff is going on, um, there's kids in the story. Yeah. The kids are at the centre of it. My three friends have their own really big crisis to deal with, and that means an awful lot to them. And they have to do their own kind of you know problem solving and sort of diplomacy, if you like, their own kind of you know trying to find a way to kind of sort this conflict out so so yeah so they're they're the the most important part of all of the story is those three friends and and what they're going through yes because they find uh very early in the book this isn't spoiling too much they find a new friend shall we say um just hiding hiding in a coal shed Mm. and it's figuring out what she's uh what she's doing and why she's there yeah because she's quite mysterious and she doesn't tell them very much because she doesn't want them to know just in case they get kind of hauled in and quizzed and you know she's quite secretive but she wants their help but she yeah she's quite an interesting one because she's sort of she's the rule breaker she's the kind of the girl who comes along who shakes everything up for them because Stevie and Ray are quite conventional really they're quite normal they're (laughs) you know they go to school they do their paper rounds they do their homework they're quite they they follow the rules they've got these dreams of adventure and things but they they sort of behave and and do the right thing and then um anna comes along and anna's sort of like well you don't have to actually you can you can you can her little phrases you know taking charge of my own destiny she's one of those people who's sort of like well actually you don't have to follow the rules all the time if you don't want to and that completely changes, you know, how they how they behave and what they do. Um, and then at the end, obviously, you know, well, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but yeah, but she just does make them think slightly differently about the world for a while, which, you know, I think sometimes new friendships do. Yeah, it's no bad thing at all. Um, I I love this book. I love the setting of the book. I love the idea of, of the 60s as a place uh, to put a book in. Because I don't, having read a lot of books that come to fun kids, I can't really recall um, many, if any, books that are set in the 60s um so you said you're gonna have another one the the era was so intriguing to you you're gonna have another one as well yeah that i mean i've got another book that i'm writing first that isn't set in the 60s 
uh, which yes, so so it, but but I I came across another story the other day, and I was like, oh my goodness me, oh dear. It is always the way, actually, when you've got a book, when you're on a deadline, and you've got a book that you're contracted to write, and you've settled on an idea, another idea suddenly comes hurtling in oh, and you know, presents itself, and it's like, yeah, but what about me? And you think, no, no, get back in line, <laughs> join the queue. Um, so yeah, it's, sometimes it's 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 really hard to settle on on you know make yourself discipline yourself really to kind of write that the book you're meant to be writing rather than kind of the new shiny idea that comes in and sort <laughs> yeah, of winks at you but yes but there is you know i think probably that the book after the one i'm currently writing will we'll, we'll go back there yeah Oh, brilliant stuff. Well, Emma, thank you so much for telling us all about the week at world's end i believe it came out on the second is that right that's right yes it did yeah Lovely stuff. So when people go into their real life bookshops now, um, they can go and grab a copy uh, again in real life. Very exciting. Um, so yeah. thank you so much for chatting to us about it. You No, you're very welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. Remember, we've got that reading from Dermot O'Leary's brand new book, Toto the Ninja Cat, coming up super soon. But just a little recommendations of a few books that you could check out at the moment. Uh, if you're looking for something a bit spooky to fit in with the Halloween theme, why not see Isadora Moon and the Shooting Star? Now, Isadora Moon is a big old series. I've interviewed the author, Harriet Moncaster, a few times, and she's awesome. And in the new book, Isadora is learning all about space. And then one night, she follows a shooting star that falls from the sky and she discovers a new twinkling friend. Uh, I love the Isadora Moon series, and if you love the idea of a character who's half vampire and half fairy, well, this one's for you. We've also got a brand new book called Stunt Boy. In the meantime, now this is by Jason Reynolds, and Stunt Boy is the newest superhero in town. Well, he is in his own head, at least. He's trying to save everybody, including you, from all of the baddies around. And it looks like such a fun, exciting, page-turning book. So definitely go and check out Stunt Boy. And third up this week, oh my goodness, you will love this one. If you love How to Train Your Dragon films, then this book series is for you. Because it's How to Train Your Dragon, the big old book adventure series. Find your inner hero just like Hiccup. Now, Hiccup, horrendous Haddock III, is a smallish Viking with a longish name. Hiccup's father is chief of the Hairy Hooligan tribe, which means Hiccup is the hope and the heir to the Hairy Hooligan throne. But most of the time, Hiccup feels like a very ordinary boy and finds it kind of hard to be a hero, to be honest. You can discover the hilarious series that inspired the How to Train Your Dragon films in the worldwide best-selling series from friend of the show and awesome writer Cressida Cowell. And it's available right now. If you want to find out any more details, head over to funkidslive.com. Now, before I let you go, we've got to check in with Dermot O'Leary, haven't we? Friend of the show, Dermot, gave us a special exclusive reading of his brand new book in the Toto Ninja Cat series. Well, last week, my contact up there thinks he might have spotted Felix. Thinks? Well, he's a superstitious old so-and-so. He probably just saw a large domestic cat there. Loads of sightings every year. Come to nothing. It's mostly domestic cats on their holidays who love the legend and are into the whole wildcat reenactment scene quite odd if you ask me but i feel duty bound to investigate so when your brother sank fluffy paws yacht to give me the perfect opportunity to send you up there to find out more i'm going to travel up with the boys tomorrow tickets and papers right here said larry opening his drawer there are a couple of things i need you to know one you're undercover the last thing we need is the animal press getting hold of this and causing a panic which brings me to my next point no ninja moves gets toto with a sigh. No ninja moves, said Larry. 
Sorry, Toto. If anyone at the camp guesses who you are, we'll be rumbled. So I've decided you should use a secret identity for the week. He passed over the tickets and the Braille ID card. Toto moved a pause over the Braille. Tiddles Braithwaite? Probably sounds like the name of a naughty cat. Or you'd be surprised. Larry grinned. Read on. One female owner, Gladys Braithwaite, aged 82, of 14 Winterbottoms Avenue, Croydon, sentenced to a week at Glenview Correctional Camp for... Toto looked up at Larry. Tempting to eat the pet budgie petulia? Larry! Everyone hates budgie killers. They're the lowest on the low. That's right. Everyone's scared of them too. So no one's going to mess with you. It's the perfect cover. Oh, I forgot you'll be needing this. He threw a yellow wool coat, a hat, and a pair of glasses at Toto. Lovely. No one will recognise you. You'll make me look like an old lady. Exactly, he exclaimed. Now, get in character. Keep an eye on those troublemaking boys and report back to me if you find anything, which I'm sure you won't. Toto left feeling pretty relaxed about the week ahead, even with a silly outfit to wear. Since the chances of the legend being real were pretty much non-existent, all she had to do was observe and try and keep her brothers and cat face out of trouble. If only it was going to be that easy. All right, thank you so much to Dermot for that reading. How special did I feel getting a pretty, like, elite reading from actual superstar presenter Dermot O'Leary? Love that. And thank you so much to Beck Hill and Emma Carroll as well for chatting to us about their new books. Remember, there's loads of episodes of Bookworms that you can go back and listen to at any time. If you're after some more suggestions of books that you can read or authors that you can hear about, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. You can listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids, every weekday at 4pm. See you then! I'm James Stewart. And in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.